The reading today from Exodus chapter 19, beginning with verse 7. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded together, We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord, and the Lord told Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, Be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live whether animal or human. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be prepared by the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. Amen. You may be seated this morning. That's <clears throat> God, we thank you for the privilege today to come together to study your word. Don't you pray something like this, God, open my spiritual eyes and ears. Help me to hear and see what you want me to hear and see, Lord. What you just ask the Lord to right now in your heart just to remove all the distractions. God, our desire this morning is to see you and to hear you, to, to see the kingdom. God, just what you've got for us this morning. So we just bring this time under your kingdom authority rule. We pray that you'll reign and rule over every aspect of everything that's about to happen right now. It's God, I pray that you're just asking you to speak, God, in spite of me, that these will not be my words, but God, that we will hear from you. If you agree with that, say amen. All right, this morning, let's talk about the awful holiness of God. Now, interesting thing about the word awful, you notice I put an E in there on this hyphen there. Originally, the word awful started out as a good word. It meant to, it's full of awe, inspiring fear, dread, reflecting a sense of reverence and profound respect. But interesting, like so many of our words, it turned into a negative word today. So as we think about the holiness of God, you just saw the, the text that we read this morning as we, we go into this. Man, the... It's, it's interesting because God is getting ready to give his people the Ten Commandments. And it's like all of a sudden there's a shift in how God is relating to his people as he gets ready to give them the Ten Commandments. Now, think about this. As we just read that text, you know, the, 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 the mount is, is covered in smoke and fire. Now, fire is, is often re, um, illustrative of God's presence. The thing about fire is that fire has, has many interesting aspects it's purifying warm it can be good and it can be bad it's kind of like if you have a fire burning in your house you know what i mean that that can be used for cooking for warming the house whatever but if you've got a toddler 
You want, you want to warn that toddler because a toddler is going to want over and put, put his hand in the fire, right? So as a protecting parent, you're going to warn, discipline, and pull the toddler away from the fire so, the, so, so that it doesn't get too close. It's interesting because as we think about God's holiness, it's a wonderful, wonderful aspect of God's character. The Puritan said it's the most beautiful aspect of all the characteristics of God is his holiness. But in this instance, what we see is we see God warning the people that you don't get too close at this point right here. I mean, it's like there's a, there's a shift happening. And it, to take it very, very seriously as he gives them his word. So, so here's my problem. I don't know if you share this with me. But many times I approach God in a nonchalant way. I mean, man, I just I come to, to reading my Bible or praying and just kind of going through the motions, sometimes come to church and just, man, weighted down with all I me. Mean, like, is it, is, it, is it just coincidental that on Sunday morning everything falls apart? The kids are more angry than ever, and your spouse is a little bit irritated at you, and the car's messed up. You're getting in there, and it doesn't have any gas. And I mean, the, just every day, there's water puddling in your house all of a sudden on Sunday morning. I mean, it's like, why is it so coincidental that Sunday morning is so difficult before you come to church? The day that you set aside to worship God and focus in on him, why is it that many times the circumstances of your life make it almost impossible for you to do this? Now, how about this? You decide you're going to try to have a devotional time. And that, that morning you wake up, that first morning you wake up to have your devotional time, everything goes wrong. So you have to understand something. You are in a battle. When it comes to you focusing in on God, I mean, right now, some of you right now are like, man, you're sitting there, you're looking at me, and you're like shaking your head like, I sure hope David can't tell I'm not really paying attention right now. I mean, it's just like, that's, the, that's, the, that's where we are. <clears throat> so what we've seen so far is we've seen God's grace in Exodus. I've been surprised by that, by the way. If you look at the way that God's relating to them, I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing of how he's relating. So right here in 13, 21, it says, Then the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar and a cloud. So he's leading them. On their way during the day and a pillar of fire, giving them light. So the fire's a good thing here. Giving them light at night so that they could travel day or night. So this is God relating to them with fire in a gracious way. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Now you go to 1918. It says, Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in, look at that, fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain shook violently. So here's what I can tell you. You think, man, I wonder if I've ever really been close to the power and the presence of God. Here's how I can tell you that you know. Because when you really get close to the power and the presence of the Lord, you wonder if you're going to live through it. And I mean, I can think that these people on this, when, when, the, when the mountain was like this, that they were waking up every day thinking, I don't know if we're going to live through this. And that, that's how awe-inspiring and how frightening it was. And God's trying to help them understand, man, this is serious business we're about to take care of right here. Look at this. Here's one of the nation of Israel. God's telling them, man, be careful and do not forget. How many times do we see that in the Bible? Do not forget the covenant that the Lord your God, that he made with you. And make an idol for yourselves. Oh, listen, hey, you, you may be thinking right now, oh, dude, I'm not going to make any idols. Let me tell you something. Your children can be your idol. Your spouse can be your idol. Your house can be. Your job can be. Your bank account. Anything that you put before God, that's an idol. 
So don't sit here this morning and think, well, hey, listen, I'm New Testament. I don't have any idols. I haven't carved anything. Anything you put before God more important in your life, that is your idol. So don't make an idol for yourselves in the shape of anything that God has forbidden for you. Look at this. The Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So if you put wood in the fireplace and you light the wood and that wood burns up, then here's what I can tell you. That wood became fire. Okay? It consumed, it became that. It just, it took it to, no, that there's not wood anymore. Now it turns into fire. So when it says that God is a consuming fire, you have to understand this much, is that God, anytime, anywhere, anyway, he can take over and make anything into what he wants it to be, if that makes any sense with all the innies in there. So right now, your life may be a mess. Legitimately, I mean, right now, man, things may be a mess for you in your life, but hey, listen, I'll tell you something. Is your, right now, I'll ask you a question. Is your heart beating? Is the oxygen coming in and going out? You're still alive. Well, you, well I mean, you're here. So, so listen, I want to tell you this much. If you're here right now, then it may seem hopeless, but that's a lie. It is never hopeless. Our God, you have to understand something. Our God specializes in hopeless situations. So I mean, if you're saying, say, man, it's a hopeless situation, then hey, good for you. You just, you just got right into the God's sweet spot. But if you're sitting here this morning saying, man, I got it all together. Everything's good, man. I have no problems then. Lord bless you. You need some help. <laughs> the fear of the Lord, respect all. Man, to be full of all is the beginning of wisdom. It, it, it's, it's, listen, I'll tell you something. This is not like the formula. Understand this. It means this word can be translated the foundation of wisdom. So if I'm really going to have an, a respect for God, say, man, listen, I've got a holy respect for God. Then the Bible says, and that's the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So here we are. Chapter 19, verse 7 says, after Moses came back. So Moses, all right, now listen, here's what you got to get. Moses is going to go up Sinai and back down three times. Okay? Three times. Hang on to that. So he's coming back down. He summoned the elders. Oh, look at that. Moses is doing what his father-in-law told him to do. That's a miracle in the Bible right there. This is the instruction came from his, his father-in-law. His father-in-law said, you need to get elders. You need, don't do all the work on your own. Remember that sermon? He's doing it right here. So now he, he comes back with a message from God, and he's not going and telling the three million people. Now he's going to the 70 elders, and the people have set before them those words that Yahweh had commanded him. Then after the people, look at this, the people heard what Moses said, and they said, we are going to do all that Yahweh has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to Yahweh. Man, that's interesting. <laughs> they, they, they hear the message, like, hey, we're going to do it all. Really? Because if you look, there it is. If you look from here, just to the next, between here and the promised land, it's got the golden calf incident. If you don't know what that is, man, hang on. It's going to get good. They got murmuring and more murmuring and rebellion. That comes after this in Numbers 14. Man, you got Moses and Aaron. They make some major stumbles in Numbers chapter 20. And then the whole nation worships Bell in Numbers 25. So they're going to do everything that the Lord has spoken to them. They may have had good intentions, but they were not able to do that. Let me tell you something. Understand something. There's a big, vast difference between you and Christ Jesus and these people we're reading about right here in the Bible. You may say, I've heard people say, oh man, I can't wait to get to heaven and ask Moses, man, listen, Moses, when you was on earth, what was it like for you to, to speak with God, hear God, to relate to God like that? And Moses would say, 
You tell me what it was like when you was on earth and you had the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, changing you and transforming you from the inside out. What was that like? See, we think, man, boy, it'd be great if God would speak to me like, like God spoke to Moses on the map. You might not live through it, first of all. Second of all, if you're in Christ Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. Listen, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning before you ever got here. You might say, you might say no, it hadn't, David. I hadn't heard a word. Oh, he is speaking all the time. The question is, am I hearing what he's saying? He's, light, he's leading, guiding, convicting. All, he's always at work. He doesn't take a day off. He doesn't take a break. Listen, he's always speaking to you. The question is, are you hearing so Yahweh said to Moses, man, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak. Listen, it's not for you, Moses, that cloud, and so the people will see it. I want the people to hear when I'm speaking to you. I want every, Listen, there's, there's about three million people down here. They need to understand how serious this is. If this isn't you just dreaming it up, you watch a Hollywood version of this. It's going to be Moses out there, and Moses is going to have like these voices in his head that nobody else hears. That's not the way it was. Whenever God spoke on the mountain to Moses, the three million people out there, they all heard the voice they saw and they heard. They knew it was God. They knew that, that Moses was going to come down and that Moses was going to give them God's word. So you may be sitting here this morning saying, man, I wish that somebody would give me God's word. You do realize something. There's people in this world today that would give anything to have this. They've got just little bitty pieces and shreds of it that they're passing around among themselves, memorizing as they pass on to the next person because it's illegal for them to have this in their country. And we've got, so, man, we've got so many of these. They're everywhere. They're on our phone. I mean, we've got, we got full access to the word of God. I mean, listen, we can't ever say, man, I sure wish that God would speak to me. We've got the full revelation of God. So, so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. So this is to authenticate the message. Moses reported to the people all the words of Yahweh. Look at this. So here's, a, here's the New Testament version of this. Mount Transfiguration, we've talked about this a few times. Look at it once again. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them. Is that on the top of the mountain? Mount Look at this. A bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, does that sound like what we're reading here this morning in Exodus? And listen, Peter, James, and John didn't walk away from that and go, man, I never heard of anything like that before. They knew the story from Exodus that we're studying this morning. This is my beloved son with him whom I am well pleased. Look at that. That's the same exact message. Listen to him. His word is authenticated from the father. He's the son. What he says is the word. So number one on your outline. The thick cloud on Mount Sinai it demanded that the word of God be taken very seriously. Now, I know that's shocking. Come to church and wow, the preacher says we should take the word of God very seriously. <laughs> Never could imagine him saying that. But let's go back to where we started a while ago when I said, have you ever approached reading your Bible or praying nonchalantly? And there was a moan that went over this whole room. All in harmony. Everybody just went, whoa. So. It isn't, I'm not asking you, do you believe the word of God is the inerrant, authoritative word of God? What I'm asking you is, are you practicing it? See, because there's a, sometimes a big gap between what we believe and what we practice, okay? So, I mean, I can sit around and tell you all day long about the things I believe, but you're not going to catch me doing it. 
Are you with me now? So what I'm asking you is, is are you practicing that belief? Look at this. Psalm 97 says, clouds and total darkness surrounding. Why is that? Because when it talks about God's righteousness and his justice, the foundations of his throne, why is there clouds of darkness surrounding him? Because there, is, there should be such respect and awe for God that we say, okay, listen, I can't even look at that. Now, once again, I'm telling you, if you ever think, if I'm that close, then what's going to remind you, if you think, I don't think I'm going to live through this, you're that close. And Yahweh told Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them. Set them apart. Make them as holy. Something that's common. you got to stop your common everyday life because this is serious. I'll tell you something. Life can, listen, this day, right here today, life can come unwound on you. And by the end of this day, you're not going to be worried about the internet, television, entertainment. All that stuff will not matter to you if that happens to you. Man, I, listen, I go back to some of you that are a little bit on the older side. We go back to 9-11. Never will forget that. When that happened, that next Sunday, there was no professional football games played. All that money didn't matter all of a sudden. All that entertainment didn't matter. And every church was packed to the rim that next Sunday. God can do that if he so chooses. And right now he's telling them, listen, you by your choice, you consecrate, you set them aside. Everything's got to shut down because now all I want you to do, I just want you to Focus on consecrate yourself to prayer. Take all of your daily things, set them aside. You don't do anything but pray and get focused and get ready. How much work did you put into to get ready to come here this morning? Now, you may think, man, I got my clothes on, all this kind of stuff, and got myself ready, got up, and I got here. That's good enough, man. I mean, what are you talking about? I'm telling you this much. Listen, you really want God to speak to you? You're going to get up and go through all that trouble and drive here and sit in here and sit through this moment. I want to tell you something. If you're not doing the prep work, then you're not going to be hearing what God's saying to you right now. You mean, you'll be wondering, why am I sitting here? My mind's drifting. I can't stay focused. If you do the prep work, I promise you this much, it doesn't matter what comes out of this mouth. What's going to matter is, is what God's saying. You'll be hearing it. That's what our prayer is, is that your eyes will be open. Your ears will hear from God, not from me. Man, I'm not, I don't have anything for you. All I want to do is just show you the word of God and say, let's just stop, let's pause, let's think about this. And how long has it been since you have just set everything aside and said, man, all I want to do is just hear from God right now. Consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes. Okay, so I'm going to fix and rescue some of y'all, okay? Because... I have sat through so many painful sermons where the preacher got up there and went on a tangent on this one right here and said, this is why you've got to be wearing your Sunday best. This is why men have got to be wearing this. Women got to be wearing Okay, listen, let me tell you something. This does not say anything about changing their clothes. It says washing their clothes. This is illustrative of what's happening in the heart, okay? So there's nowhere in the New Testament, in the church age, where you go from the book of Acts to Revelation, this is explaining the church. There's nowhere in there where it says you've got to wear certain clothes before you can come to church. Okay? So I'm not saying that I oppose people dressing nice or anything like that, but I'm just saying it's not required. And all the times I've heard those sermons with preachers like, man, you, you should be doing this. Okay, what I see the most important is my heart's posture. Okay, that's the most important thing. It's where is my heart? with God when I approach him, when I come to church. 
Number two, our obedience to God shapes the depth and intimacy of our relationship with him. So, I mean, here's my question for you. Just serious question. Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with God? If you say, yes, I want to go deeper in my relationship with God, then, then if, if, if I'm not being obedient to what God has already said, then it's not going to be happening. Okay, so, they, what, what's, so for you here today, what are some things that you need to be obedient about? Okay, so we looked at this last week. They asked you what the greatest commandment was. Remember that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one is, 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 is getting to it, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you can love God and love your neighbor like this, then all, you know, all the law is not going to be a problem for you. There's a commandment right there. Jesus said, forgive one another just as I have forgiven you. There's a commandment. Can you do that? <laughs> oh, I went to, went to meddling now, haven't I? That was good till you got to that part right there. I mean, there's some of the commandments right there. So, I mean, like, if I want to go deep, if I want to have true intimacy with God, then I've got to be willing to forgive other people and to forgive myself. That's one of the hardest ones right there. Some of you are like, man, that's all okay, but I cannot forgive myself. Well, you need to pray for the supernatural power of God to give you that ability to forgive. And be prepared. By the third day, man, there's threes all over the place. By the third day, and on the third day, something three days, nobody's watching movies, nobody's surfing the internet, nobody's checking out their iPhones, nobody's doing anything entertaining. Man, I tell you what, when the internet gets shut down at my house, it's a major crisis. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, man, all life. What are we gonna do now? So for three days, what did they do? For three days, you know what they did? All they did was get ready for God to speak to them. Mm. And, and, and you're telling me that, you're, you're saying, challenging me just to get up a little bit early on Sunday morning or maybe prepare myself on Saturday night, just a little bit before they come to one day? But Saturday night's my fun time. I mean, hey, listen, I don't know how to say this nicely, but you come to church and you're bored out of your brain and you're distracted, then that's why. Be prepared on that day, the third day, the Lord will come down Mount Sinai in the sight of all. Everybody's, no one's going to be like, nobody's going to hit that person. Wow, look, God's there. Huh, I didn't see that. Everybody saw it. Everybody knew it, okay? Number three, understanding. You want some understanding and some inspiration. I mean, you want God to give you some revelation. You want God to speak to your heart. Then this comes after obedience. The key aspect, that's, I mean, like, if you want God man, what does God want me to do? I'll tell you something. Okay, listen, here's, here's the way it works. It doesn't work like God's going to tell you what to do, then you decide if you want to obey him or not. God's going to tell you what to do, and it's not going to make any sense, and you got to start doing it before you understand it. you got to get in there. you got to get in the middle of it and think, oh, I don't think it's all going to work out. And then whenever you get in the middle, you say, ah, this ain't all going to work out. Then God's like, okay, now. You're finally going to give me a chance to work in this, all right? Let me see. Let me show you how I can do this. That way, when it all works out, it's all said and done. You don't turn around and go, man, I am really smart, smooth, and cool. I worked all that out. When you get through, you'll be like, man, thank God he rescued me. Look at what God has done. He gets all the glory. So if you're thinking today, see, some of you, man, love to plan. Y'all people that love to plan, get it all planned out in front of you right now, man, it's going to wreck you, mess you up. Because you can't do that in following Jesus. He never turns around and says, okay, here's the plan. Here's what we're all going to do right through. For the next six months, this is what we're going to be doing. It's step by step. 
the step of faith. That next step's not going to make any sense. If you're truly going to fight, he's going to say, are you going to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense? I don't know what's going to happen. That's the key. So if you want God to lead you, you want God to show you, then you got to be obedient first. Now, God says, put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be, care- <laughs> be careful that you don't go up on the mountain. Don't accidentally go walking up the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be put to death. We'll, we'll, we'll pick this up in just a minute. Okay, hang on just a second. Okay, so. This is an artist drawing what they think it may have looked like. I think it's heavily influenced by the movie The Ten Commandments, but it doesn't really matter. I want you to get the visual. Millions of people, huge mountain, and the top of it is on fire. And God says, don't go up on it. Don't go check it out. Don't even touch it. So what do you think human nature is? So coming in the future in Exodus is something called the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a place where the manifest presence of God, that, 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 that fire, that cloud of God is going to be right there over and in the tabernacle. And this is where people are going to approach the manifest presence of God. And they got to understand something. God is omnipresent everywhere all the time. That's why I said the manifest presence. That's where he's manifesting his presence there, okay? Are you with me now? So, like, this is a special place where people bring their sacrifices and they're going to relate to God in the Old Covenant. Now, did I say, is there a lot of threes in this story? So you got the outer court. This is the outer court where anybody can go. Common people bring in their sacrifices. And then here's the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the outer court, inner court, holy of holies. Not real good at math, but I'm pretty sure it's three. Inside here, only the common people can go here. Only the priests right here and only the high priest once a year right there, the Ark of the Covenant is, can go in there once a year to where the manifest presence of God is. Now, all of the nations of Israel can be down here where the altar is. There's the altar, the tabernacle, Mount Sinai. Only Aaron, his sons, and Nadab, and Abihu, and the seven elders can go halfway up. Only Moses goes to the top. Only the priests in here. Only the high priest in here. So this is becoming a place of worship. The closer we get to God, the more deeply we understand his holiness. So here's what I can tell you in the journey that I have been on is that 10 years ago, if I'd have, been, if I'd have came across this text right here and I'd been up here trying to preach this text to you, I can tell you this much. This would have been an abstract thought for me, the holiness of God the power and the presence of God. Not that I'm the closest that I've ever, you know, that, of anybody on the face of the earth. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm telling you this much. In the last 10 years, in my growth, I've come to understand the holiness of God a whole lot better than I did 10 years ago. Hopefully, if I'm still here 10 years now, the same will be true. I can tell you this much. If you're really going to get close to God, then you're going to understand his holiness. His, that is his key attribute. I mean, you can't. If you're really going to know someone, you're going to know their key attribute. Okay? I could go around the room right here, and I really know some people in this room. I could just start pointing out some key attributes in this room, but I won't do that to y'all. Because if you said, hey, do you know? And get a name in there, and I'd be, oh, yeah. And what, what do we do? Usually we give 
the key attribute of that person. The key attribute of God is holiness. What does holiness mean? Holiness means set apart. God can't, listen, God hates sin because he's holy. Oh, we got a problem because we're sinners now, right? If God hates sin, if God can't be close to sin, and we're trying to get close to God, I'm in here, man, getting near to God. I got a problem here, man. I got a sin nature inside of me. I'm battling every single day. What are we going to do about that? Glad you asked because we're going to talk about that this morning. So no hand may touch him. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> so this is, this is the good part right here, okay? Listen, if you drifted off, come back in because this is kind of interesting. These are the people that touch the mountain or go to the mountain. It says, as far as they're concerned, don't go running in there and grab a hold of them. You don't even touch them. Matter of fact, it said, instead, they will be stoned or shot with arrows, so you'll be executing them from a distance. Throw rocks, shoot arrows. Don't go grab them. Whether animal, like your animal gets loose and it runs up on the mountain, you better shoot him with an arrow. No one can get close. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain because the mountain itself is not holy. God is holy. God's the one, listen, God's the one that makes this place in this time, in this moment, holy, not the mountain itself. The mountain, we're not going to go over there today and go worship Mount Sinai, if you could even find it, okay? We worship God and only God. We don't worship this room. You don't worship this church. We come and we say, man, David, we came here for a worship service. Well, what, what's our hearts turned towards when we're sitting in this room in this moment right now? Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them. He set them apart, consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. So they're getting ready. Their heart's posture is getting ready to receive what God has for them. Look at this. Here's where another interesting aspect. We've got the first Moses. You know who the second Moses is, right? Jesus, the greater Moses in the New Testament. Look at this. And the word capitalized, that's logos, God became flesh. And he dwelt among us. So before Jesus, you could not look at the glory of God. Now they can. You see that? And we beheld his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the Father. He is full of grace and truth. Look at this, this is really good. Indeed, we all... Receive grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. So what, what John's saying right here is that Jesus came and gave, showed all the perfect attributes of God when he lived his life among us. The characteristics, the holiness of God, Jesus demonstrated that in the flesh when he lived here on earth. So now we could observe it, we could see it, we could see what it looks like, we could touch it, we could feel it now, it's something very palatable and real to us. John 14, we're skipping to John 14. Jesus just got through saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Philip says, man, just show us the Father. That's all he said right there. Listen, all we want to do is just see the Father. Jesus said to him, Man, have I been among you all this time and you don't know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us a Father? Don't you believe that I 
am in the Father and that the Father is in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own. The Father who lives in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works. He's saying, listen, don't you know that when you saw me raise the dead, you were seeing the Father do that. When you saw me walk on the water, you were seeing the Father do that. Everything that you saw me do, that you observed me, you're seeing the Father do that. I am in the Father. We are one. So it's not like, how can you say, show me the Father? What Jesus said, he said, all you got to do is just look at me, man. He's shown the perfect attributes of God. Now we don't have to wonder, what does that really look like? So he said to the people, be prepared by the third day and have no sexual relationships with women. I want to refrain from telling any jokes right here. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. New Testament says something about this. This is about fasting. Not that, not that relationships within a married couple is something that's dirty, okay? Right here he says, do not deprive one another except when you agree for a time to devote yourself to prayer. See the fasting? Devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So it's not that that's a dirty, bad thing. It's about, this is about focus thing right here, okay? So we're going to set aside everything right now, and all we're going to do is just focus on our relationship with God. Man, how many of you right now are thinking in your mind, man, if I just would have got that straight before I got married? Some of you all right now might be thinking about somebody else saying, man, I wish they would get that straight before they get married. Because that is the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with God. When you've got that relationship right, it doesn't mean all the rest of your relationships are going to come and fall in line and go perfect. It means that you will be able to tolerate and handle all the rest of your relationships on this earth. <sighs> okay, so listen, i got to give you a free piece of advice this morning, okay? You're a captive audience, so here we are. You have to understand something within your family relationships. It's not about right and wrong. Okay? Some of you right now, you are in bitter conflict with other people in your family, and you think it's about being right and about being wrong. And I'm here to tell you right now, in your family, it's not about right and wrong. It's about unity and disunity. The strongest person in the family is going to be the person who is the most humble. And the most humble person in the person in the family will be the one that will start working everyone towards a place of unity. Because as long as you're divided, the enemy's got you right where he wants you. In your family, in your church, in your workplace, as long as there's division, he's got us right where he wants us. But I just want to tell you, who's the strongest? Who's the most mature? The one that has the most humility. And they'll be the one working towards unity. Number five. Because of your position in Christ. Any of y'all in Christ Jesus in here this morning? Because of your position in Christ, you are invited and given the power to connect with God's holiness. And this blows my ever-loving mind right here. That we now, in Christ, I mean, like, man, they were like, don't get close to the mountain or you'll die. Don't touch it. Something runs in there. You better shoot it. Don't even run in there. Touch that. You'll die too. That's the power of the holiness of God. And now in Christ Jesus, we are invited and given the power to connect with the whole. Do you do realize something? God is living in you, in Christ Jesus. You may be sitting right now and saying, man, I don't feel that. Okay, it doesn't matter what you feel. What matters is your position. If you're positioned in Christ, the very God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the 
Holy Spirit's in you. Ephesians chapter 2. At one time, man, you were without Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, there it is, in Christ Jesus, that salvation right there, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Man, you are far away from God. But now you've been brought near. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were, it doesn't matter, man, if you are far away or near, you in Christ Jesus, we got peace proclaimed to us. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access, access in one spirit to the holiness of the Father. Man, full of, the, now we're going to relate to the holiness of God. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. The Bible says over and over again, now that you're a saint, that means set apart. Now you're in the very house of God. You're not far away. Man, you should be a lot more excited about this than you are right now, by the way. That's exciting stuff right there, man. So here we are. Do you not know that your body is the temple? What the? We just, saw the, we, we just saw a tabernacle, a form of the early form of the temple. The temple of the Holy... Hang on, hang on. Look up here for a minute. Body, soul, spirit. Whoa, there's that three again. The temple, the tabernacle, three parts. Your body, three parts. Moses going up and down three times, over and over again. So why do we see three? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus in the grave for three days. Why do we keep seeing three over and over and over again? Listen, I'll tell you something. I don't know what everybody else says about it, but here's what I know. Anytime I see three, it's like an emphasis on that. Okay? Now, I know people got all these kind of cool things they can say with the three and the sixes and the sevens and all that. Apart from all that, here's what I know. Anytime I see three, there's an emphasis right there. There's an emphasis on the holiness of God is what I see when I see three. So, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Man, I can make everybody in here really mad right now if I wanted to. Because we don't do that. We don't, we don't steward our... Okay, I'll stop. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you, were, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Man, this is good truth right here. Look at this. If you're in Christ Jesus, look at what the Bible says about you. The Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. So like the redemption of the possession is whenever you go to heaven, when it's all said and done, it's all wrapped up, you've got a guarantee inside of you that is a Holy Spirit living in you right now. So if you ever feel the movement of the Holy Spirit inside of you, that is just a down payment of what God has given you forever and ever and ever. Man, heaven's going to be good, by the way, okay? Heaven's not going to be some long, boring church service, by the way, okay? Heaven, I mean, we're going to be in the very presence of God, relating to God unhindered by sin in this world. The devil's going to be done. I mean, it's, it is going to be good. And here's what I can tell you right now, man. Listen, the more you invest here and now, the more you will enjoy it then and there. No one's going to give everything they got to God here and get to heaven and go, man, I regret that. I wish I would have lived for myself while I was down there. 
I mean, the Bible talks about Jesus talked more about eternal rewards than anything else. He says, man, if you do this here and now, you will have eternal rewards. You do realize we're sabotaging ourselves, right? Do you realize that? And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, the intimacy, Daddy, Abba, Father. So if you've got the Son, if you've got the Holy Spirit, if you've got the Son, and the Heavenly Father is your Father, then your heart is going to be transformed. How do I know I'm saved? How do you know if you're saved? It's not because you said a prayer. It's not because you got baptized, you joined the church, or you did some religious thing. You know you're saved because the Holy Spirit is changing your heart right here and right now. That's how you know you're saved. And if you've been experiencing transformation, if you read the Bible and it hurts your feelings, that's a good thing. If you read your Bible and you're eh, <laughs> that's dangerous. If you come to church, you sit here and we read the Word of God and we talk about the truth of Scripture, and you're like, oh, man, that just kind of offends me a little bit. That's a good thing. If you just sit here and it's all numb and you don't care, that's a dangerous spot to be right there, my friend. So let me tell you something this morning. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of comfort and it's a spirit of conviction. And all of us have got a sin nature. And when we read that, there's going to be this conflict inside of us, that conviction that's going to be hitting us. That is a good thing. I'm glad you came to church this morning. Yes. Hey, I am too. Let's get us all stand up. So as we, we think about going into a time of, of communion, so this is like man, everything we read in the book of Exodus is just leading us to, to communing with God. Having, you know I mean? Like, so you've got your union in Christ Jesus, okay? That's what he did for you. And now you've got your communion with God. That's where you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's where, this is where you work on your relationship with God. You get the, op the opportunity to commune with him. This is your choice. How deep, how rich you want this communion to be, that's up to you, okay? That's your Choice. He's given you a free will to choose that. How much you want? Man, you want a thimble full of God or do you want a tanker truck full? That's, I mean, you don't, God, you, can, you mean, there's more God than you can get. This is how much you want. That's really what it comes down to. Man, we wake up tomorrow morning and, oh, I need to read my Bible. Hmm. I need to pray. Oh. Or we can wake up tomorrow morning, man, I get to God, speak to my heart. What do, you, what do I need to hear? Convict me where I need conviction. We have to pray to God. God, you are holy. You are good. I can't believe you even hear my prayers right now. Do you see the difference in our attitude? And how do I approach this? Is it very, is it, is it if, listen, if it's real, it's going to be changing me. If it's not real, then I'm just be going through a religious motion, just checking off the list. God, we just pray this morning, God, that you would just open our spiritual eyes and ears, God, that we will see 
and hear what you want us to see in here. So right now, I want you to just pray. See, some of you right now, you're struggling over your salvation. You don't know if you're saved. So listen, I want to tell you something. Nobody else can tell you if you are or you're not, but you can pray and the Holy Spirit will reveal that to you. And right now in your heart, you just pray something like, Holy Spirit, just God, help me see, am I really saved? Am I really positioned in Christ? So you may, you may pray that prayer, and man, David, I didn't feel anything or see anything or I don't know if anything, just really even, I don't know. Then, you know, I mean, here, let me tell you something, my friend, listen. You're here in God's house with God's people, okay? When the church service is over with, there's a whole bunch of people, including myself, be happy to talk to you about this. No rush to get out of here. That's the most important thing is your eternal salvation. We're happy to talk to you about that. So this morning, if you're, you're here and you're like, man, David, hey, listen, I know. I know I have a relationship with God. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm under the blood. I know that I'm in Christ Jesus. But just feel a little distant, a little cold, and a little numb right now. Look at this with me, if you would. Look at the screen. Psalm says, declare me innocent, O Lord. For I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. For I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil, and I refuse to join with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord. Singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. So as, I, as we read that verse right there, I mean, what you think about what in, that, in those verses did you relate to? What in there did you, did you feel moving and stirring in your heart as we read that? Let's read some more. Come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. Let me ask you something. Has the blood of Jesus washed your sins all clean? White as wool. So can I just remind you of this? It's not based on your performance. It's based on your position. In Christ Jesus, under the blood. Let us go right into the presence of God, because we can do that now. With sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So only the high priest could go in the Holy of Holies and had sprinkled the blood on the Ark of the Covenant once a year. And now in Christ Jesus, we can approach God's presence with sincere hearts. Man, what a blessing that is. So if your heart is right with the Lord, you're under the blood, washed by the blood, you're in Christ Jesus, then what we're about to do right now is we're about to commune with him 
in his presence. What a blessing that is. Most sacred, holy thing that we will do. We're about to do that. So if you're ready to do that, the elements are at the front and at the back. So go ahead and help yourself. When you come back to your seat, you can have, please sit down and we'll, we'll continue from there. So think about this. So as we read there in Exodus, you know, all these people were to, they were warned, stay away, keep your distance, don't get close. And then when we get to the New Testament, the very presence of God is in Christ Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's God, there's God right there in Jesus. And he brings, and what John's saying is that he brought God close to us. He came near, right close to us. And now, after his death, burial, and resurrection, even got closer. Now the Holy Spirit's inside of us. You can't get any closer than that. So think about this. The privilege that you have to be that close to God, that he's actually within you. So as we, we take communion, what we're doing is we're remembering the death of Christ, because that's our sins had to be paid for. That was our problem. Our sin is what was separating us from God. And Jesus paid that debt. So that's what we're remembering right here. This, this act right here as we sit down at the, the Lord's table and we commune with him. We're remembering the death of Christ. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's go ahead and open up to the bread. So whenever Jesus was, big large crowd was following one day and he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. A bunch of people got offended and said they turned around and said, man, that's a hard teaching. Who can receive that? And they turned around and they walked away. Now, I read that many, many years and didn't really make sense until we started studying Exodus. In Exodus, it all made sense to me when they brought the Passover lamb in and they were instructed to eat the whole thing that night. So what he was saying is, is that I am the Passover lamb. That when you take me in, the wrath of God now, when you come under my blood, the wrath of God now is gonna pass over you. That now, in me, and I'm in you, Holy Spirit inside. We're in Christ. The Holy Spirit's in us. So as we do this right now, what this moment is all about, it's a demonstrating of you being in Christ and the Holy Spirit being in you, your salvation. So close that it becomes a part. You assimilate this. So close. So if you 
feel free and pray with me, dear Jesus. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your death. We remember your death today, and we thank you for dying for us. You're our God, you're our King, you're our Lord, and you're our Savior. Let's eat in faith. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and open up the juice if you haven't yet. So would you agree with me that God knows what he's doing? I mean, like, you know, the whole following God and you don't know what, is, what we're going to do, but you just know you have to be obedient and you have to take the next step even though it doesn't make any sense. So I will tell you this. When we were coming close to the end of the book of Acts and I, I felt like God was saying, you know, to my heart, the next book is Exodus, I was like, oh, my goodness. That's going to be rough. And I, I, listen, I can honestly tell you, of all the sermon series that I've ever preached, all the books I've ever preached, I've never learned as much as I've already learned. And we're just halfway there. So God knows what he's doing. So let me tell you something. See, because I know this, that some of you in here, some of you watching online, you know that God's leading you to do something, but it doesn't make any sense, and you're trying to rationalize it all out, and you're trying to make wise decisions, and all that's good and everything, but I'll tell you something. You're not going to be able to make sense of it until you're obedient first. Man, somebody, I don't know, somebody in here, that's, that's some of y'all, that's, that's for you. Man, this keeps coming back over and over. So I want you just to picture something in your mind right now. Let's go all the way back to that first Passover. And I want you to picture in your mind, your mind's eye, the patriarch of the family coming out and putting the blood over the doorpost. And I want you to picture in your mind him opening that door and there's his family. Inside, there's his family that's safe. They're all saved because they all come under the blood because he went out took the lamb, went through the prescription, sacrificed the lamb, put the lamb over the doorpost for his family. And see, some of you right now, you're diligently teaching your children. You're diligently doing everything you can to keep that blood up over your family, up over your life, to keep yourself under, positioned under the blood of Christ. It's not for a waste, dear friend. Don't be discouraged. Keep on keeping on. Stay at it. Keep on leading those children. 
Keep on praying for them. Keep on serving. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for salvation. You're my God. You're my Lord. You're my King. And you're my Savior. Let's drink in faith. So you saw the video where our um, kids with the preteen count, and I, I heard that like 17 of them made professions of faith in that group. So, you know, these kids have opportunity to go through kids' faith. So if your kids have ever made a profession of faith, they go through a class that helps them understand what salvation, baptism, church membership, all that stuff is. So, you know, we don't just, don't just say a prayer. We get up here and we baptize them and all that. We're trying to help them understand what God is doing in their heart. So some of those, maybe some, maybe all, we don't know, but they'll have an opportunity to come back, go through that kids' faith class. But in the meanwhile, I ask you to be praying for them. In the meanwhile, especially if you know any of them, if these are some of your kids, then be praying for them, be talking to them, and encourage them and come with them to the kid faith class. You know, just be a part of it, man. Put the blood over the doorpost. See, some, some of you, man, you're struggling, you're discouraged, you think that what you do doesn't matter, and I'm here to tell you today it does. Don't quit. Don't give up. Well, hey, um, this is my last sermon to preach here for two weeks. So y'all get a break from me. Next week, Butch will be preaching. And then the week after that, um, Matt Parker is going to get us through the rest of the way of Exodus chapter 19. So in three weeks, when I come back, I want to get right into the Ten Commandments. So I, wanted, I needed to take a break before we did the Ten Commandments because it says to take a Sabbath so I can <laughs> truly preach that when I get back. Man, it's been good. And um, so you guys that are reading the devotionals, I don't know what's going to happen in the next two weeks. You may not hear from me for two weeks. I'm, I'm not, I listen, I don't plan things out. <laughs> I just try to, you know, Go day by day and see what the Lord's leading me to do. So if you don't hear from me from two weeks in those devotionals, hey, thank you for reading. I hope that they've been a blessing to you. Maybe a couple of weeks or you may see them coming every day. I don't know. Just want to do what God wants me to do. So let's all stand. Hey, hey what's your big hurry? Some of y'all in big hurry to get out of here right now. What's your big hurry? You do realize that sometimes we just hurry right out of the presence of the Lord. So don't take any big, quick rush out of here. And let me tell you something. Whatever it is that's stressing you out, you think you got to get to, two minutes after you die, it's not going to matter. Okay? So come, I want to come back to you. See, I know that some of you in here, you're struggling over that salvation thing. And now you're, you're, getting, you're, you're, you're going to be afraid to come talk to somebody, talk to me or whatever. Um, don't do that. Don't be afraid. This is your opportunity. Don't rush out of here. All of that stuff doesn't really matter. Your salvation, your eternal salvation 
matters more than anything. And we will all stay here for you. So God, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for salvation. So God, for that person or those people right now that are struggling and they just don't know, then God, I just ask you right now to give them the courage, help them to slow down, just to stay and to talk to someone about that, to pray with someone, to get clarity on that, oh God. God, I just pray over the next two weeks here, God, I pray that you prepare Butch for next Sunday, that he'll be ready. And the Sunday after that for Matt. God, as they come and they take their place here to, to lead in the word of God, that you just fill them, encourage them, speak to them, speak through them, and bless them for that, God. So the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go in Jesus' name.